This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Skillshare and Captera. It's 2020, and if you thought a new year would mean any meaningful positive change for the company known as Facebook, you thought wrong, because Facebook is still finding new and exciting ways to be terrible. It's the one thing they're, they're constantly innovating. Yeah. Yeah. I know that I'm not in the simulation yet because Facebook is still bad. Yes. Anyway, in fact, the latest example of Facebook's dishonesty might be their worst yet, at least in terms of shamelessness and hypocrisy. It's not as bad as fueling a genocide, but, uh, you know. Yeah, they had to slow down a little bit, but they had to pump the brakes just a little bit. Now, in case you haven't noticed, there's a U.S. presidential election coming up in less than a year. And with Facebook being many Americans' primary gateway to the Internet, there has been concern about whether Facebook is sufficiently committed to combating disinformation and propaganda on their platform. Because they notably did not do a very good job at all the last time this happened in 2016. But last Wednesday, a very reassuring article appeared on TeenVogue.com reporting on how seriously Facebook is taking all of this, titled, How Facebook is Helping Ensure the Integrity of the 2020 Election. Wow, that's a, that's a hopeful headline. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. So the article mainly focuses on five female Facebook employees and the work that they've done behind the scenes to optimize the social media network to more effectively combat disinformation and lack of transparency in political ads. They just they just send Teen Vogue the the AI that tells employees how to talk to their friends and family over holiday break. Here are the many ways that we are ensuring that this will not happen. Uh, you're not far off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the employees that were profiled in the piece are open about Facebook's failures during the 2016 election and make the case that they're very much on their game this time to tackle those issues through a variety of methods they describe in the interviews. The article isn't really all that interesting, and since Teen Vogue is mostly a lifestyle magazine for young women and teenage girls, it comes off mainly like just your usual aspirational girl boss kind of article that could be about women working at any company. It's not just any company, though. It's it's Facebook, so this is actually a serious thing. Yeah, and it really says something about Facebook's reputation that not long after the article went up, a lot of people started getting suspicious. The article seemed just a bit too positive and uncritical and accommodating. And also, there was no writer's name listed at the top, which is unusual. Yeah. Um, On top of that, Teen Vogue's journalism has actually been pretty decent in recent years, or at least decent enough that you wouldn't expect their writers to just let some Facebook employees turn an interview into a press release without some level of pushback. Yeah. Uh, It's been odd to see Teen Vogue be uh, such an outlet for actual journalism. The teens want news too. uh, Confusion and suspicion then increased quite a bit when someone tweeted the article asking, what is this Teen Vogue? To which the official Teen Vogue account replied, literally, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Suspicious. Uh, Meanwhile, Facebook's ultimate girl boss, Sheryl Sandberg, was happily posting about the great Teen Vogue piece that had just been published. And yet, turns out... so good to see organic, positive coverage like this. It turns out it was uh, it was actually sponsored content, aka SpawnCon. Fuck that. Uh, both things: the sponsored content, the the yeah. what makes up the all actual article, and Fuck that name. All. That name, SpawnCon. SpawnCon. Uh, yeah, it, it, this had apparently come down from uh, high up at Teen Vogue's parent company, Condé Nast, without any of Teen Vogue's actual writers knowing about it, and without proper disclosure that it wasn't actually journalism. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Yeah, between when the article was published and when Facebook finally admitted that it was an ad, 
There were several other steps, including a Teen Vogue writer's name appearing on the byline at one point, despite her insisting she had nothing to do with it, and a uh, at one point a sponsored editorial content label being added to the article, and Facebook insisting that this was a mistake. Now they were half right because sponsored editorial is an oxymoron. It's either one or the other. <laughs> yeah. um, in a statement to Business Insider, Facebook said, This piece is purely editorial. We pitched this to Teen Vogue and worked with their team on the piece over the past few months. It's not an editorial if what you're describing... Oh, my God. Yeah. This pisses me off so much. The article, it then disappeared completely with the URL now leading to a fun little, uh-oh, this page doesn't exist landing page. Uh, Condé Nast issued a statement saying, We made a series of errors labeling this piece, and we apologize for any confusion this may have caused. We don't take our audience's trust for granted, and ultimately decided that the piece should be taken down entirely to avoid further confusion. Uh, well, kind of seems like you did take your audience's trust for granted. Seems like you tried, and then when it didn't work, yeah. then you're like, well, we wouldn't want to do the thing we just tried to do, would we? <laughs> we would never do that on purpose, <laughs> just for money. No. Yeah. Facebook, uh, they issued another statement contradicting their earlier statement and said, We had a paid partnership with Teen Vogue related to their Women's Summit, which included sponsored content. Our team understood this story was purely editorial, but there was a misunderstanding, mostly with, I guess, the definition. Yeah. <laughs> it was a paid editorial. So we pay you to say things, and uh, it's an editorial because your editorial team, the ones in charge of, like, the opinion side of your magazine, are saying the talking points that we had of them. So it's it's a... A paid editorial. This is like a that thing one, that exists now. That one uh, YouTuber or whoever that explained the Ponzi scheme and saying that it wasn't a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> no, it's not a Ponzi time. scheme. You see? Yeah, <laughs> ice beside him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, a good one. That's the one. I wonder what he's up to. Don't tell me. I don't I, know. No one cares. So, yeah, it's unclear exactly how communication broke down between Facebook and Condé Nast to cause this to happen. My favorite theory is that this was... Uh, just stuck in some scheduling software for like months. Oh, and it auto-posted? Yeah, like they canceled the deal like months ago, but it was still in the scheduling, and so it auto-posted. I mean, a more nefarious explanation <laughs> would be that the communication broke down on purpose to mask any kind of uh, checks yeah. and balances on it. Yeah. I mean, but uh, that would be nefarious. That would be a bad thing to that do. That would be. That would be evil. Yeah. Regardless of how it happened, though, the end result was an article about Facebook fighting disinformation that was itself disinformation. Great job. It's good practice. Uh, former Teen Vogue editorial director Philip Picardi, who was one of the main people behind Teen Vogue pivoting more into serious journalism, uh, he summed things up nicely in a tweet saying, Oh, and fuck Facebook and Facebook Newsroom for using their billions earned from deceitful politicians and misinformation campaigns to attempt to buy their way into publications at Condé Nast. Their motives are so insidious, and they continue to be the downfall of democracy. Done and done. Let them have it. Good job. Uh, this isn't even totally new behavior for Facebook. In April 2019, Facebook partnered with UK newspaper The Daily Telegraph for a series of positive sponsor stories about the company that was widely seen as them whitewashing their image. But at least in that case, the articles were clearly marked as sponsored content, even though they otherwise looked like articles. Let this whole thing be a lesson on reading your news carefully. And also understanding that in corporate media, this kind of disconnect between editorial departments and advertising departments is actually pretty common. Yeah, it's, uh, it sucks. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, in order to run a magazine or website, you need capital. Mm -hmm. And those people want to get paid. They're not as interested in just truth-telling as a writer might be. So mm -hmm. there's some conflicts of interest that come up. And, uh, I mean, it's good to be aware of them, but it's also kind of just inherent to journalism. Yeah. Unless you're like us. <laughs> 
Well, you'll get our ads soon, but they had no influence on and the we content. And we will disclose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ads. Now, it would be like if we did uh, had a quick sponsorship and we were like, top 10 toothbrushes. Yeah. And, and like, of course, number one is. And if we did that, people would, we'd be like in <laughs> trouble with the fucking FCC. Over that, or <laughs> Facebook FTC. gets nothing. Yeah. Like the, yeah. this, I think what happened here was like technically illegal or at least <laughs> violating uh, FTC guidelines. But I don't know what the rules are for like. Well, that's why they all con- did their contradicting statements. We're like, we don't know what happened. Obviously, we would have done yeah. this the correct way. If it was all planned the way we wanted it to go. But yeah. there was a couple of hiccups, and then you get an article that was posted as if it wasn't sponsored content. It's Listen. just a very, you know, the most embarrassing oopsie we've had in a very long time. And it's just a c- total coincidence that it happens to involve Facebook trying to whitewash their image mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, being a reliable source of information. Weird. Well, yeah. But hey, hold on. Ever since we started talking about Facebook at the beginning of this episode, just a few minutes ago, I felt a, a slight rumble. Mm. The earth, sort of powerful, Ooh. angry, dark energy. Ooh. Getting the getting the, the GRD here. It's, it's in my throat. Yeah. And it, it feels like it's getting closer by the minute. What could that be? Oh, my God. I'm going to hop on this track in a minute and fuck it up, but continue. Hey, I'm alive. Well, legally alive, but still dead inside. Same old Phil. So speaking of death, last week we saw the death of College Humor, a pioneer of internet comedy who was killing it long before you could just upload a video to YouTube. Back when College Humor launched in 1999, they actually had to set up a website and pay for the bandwidth for people to watch their content, which almost feels insane in 2020. Imagine being a content creator today who not only had to pay to make sketches, but then paid again for the bandwidth for people to watch them. Did your video just go viral? Well, you literally would have to pay for that bandwidth, and that bandwidth wasn't cheap. Shit sucked back then. Well, fast forward to YouTube becoming king of the internet video, and then fast forward some more to Facebook wanting to take a big bite out of that juicy, lucrative video content apple. This moment will be known as Facebook's 2016 pivot to video. Pivot to video was a moment when Zuck and company realized there is more money in people watching ad-supported video than sharing quizzes about which Ninja Turtle you are. You raff? You're a raft too? Anyway, fuck that. Uh, in April 2016, Mark Zuckerberg told BuzzFeed News, we're entering this new golden age of video. I wouldn't be surprised if you fast forward five years and most of the content that people see on Facebook and are sharing on a day-to-day basis is video. Then, check this out. Facebook trotted out their video engagement numbers, which were really attractive. They were a platform that allowed people to share content directly from one user to another, and soon, content creators get a taste of that sweet, sweet ad revenue. Pivot to video, baby. The Facebook blitzkrieg. There, it's, it was awesome. I mean, it was, so check this out. Facebook Watch launched in 2017, the book's VOD service with another buzzword, original content, wheelie, 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 because everyone knows you can't pivot to video without original content. I'm a CEO of hell. So anyway, Facebook launches their slate of original programming on Facebook Watch. Plus, they get Facebook Watch shows to just about everyone. I mean, look, literally, I had one with one of these with Nikki G. It was called Dang Fire. They gave these things to anybody. Life was great. All your favorite internet comedy geniuses like us and Cracked and Funny or Dying. Oh, College Humor, we were just talking about them. Had either Facebook watch shows, they could keep the regular pages and go ad supported. Shit was rad. Until it wasn't. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a parallel timeline to everything I just talked about and dismantle this thing like a detective, like a, like a true detective. 
Season one or three, not two, I didn't like that one. Uh, 2016, Facebook wants you to pivot to video and they got the metrics to back it up. Also 2016, Facebook publicly admitted that, oops, we slightly miscalculated by half or more video view metrics for a short period of two years. Their words, two years is a short period. I didn't even have time to come up with a Photoshop of Captain Crunch, oops, all miscalculated video metrics, cereal box. I wanted to, I just didn't have time. That's okay, I had time. That was that would take me like 20 minutes. This is two fucking years. Some might say two years is long enough to, I don't know, convince an entire industry that you have a valid video platform. Oh, wow, that's allegedly, that's weird. I just came up with that. Then it was alleged that the average viewership metrics were not inflated by only 60 to 80%. They were inflated by, you know, 150 to 900%. Those numbers are bigger. And when did they finally settle out of court? Three years later, 2019, after a pivot to video, three years after lying about Facebook's new video view watch time, the company agreed to pay $40 million, which mostly went to people who bought ads. And what is considered a view on Facebook? Three seconds. In three seconds for a view. In 2015, Matt Pakes, who at the time was a product manager at Facebook, defended their three second view policy by saying, if you have stayed on a video for at least three seconds, it signals to us that you are not simply scrolling through feed and you've shown intent to watch that video. So check this out real quick. Hey, welcome to Tech News Day. All right, let's get right into it. That sentence is a view on Facebook, three seconds. And you could be scrolling through your feed, but that video sound off and those three seconds would still count as a view. Here's the bottom line. What Facebook did was lie about their video metrics, convince media companies to pivot to video. Well, now it's sort of like uh, pivot, we pivoted to video, to pivot to video. They changed their business model, jumped to Facebook as their primary platform. And for years, these companies grinded away, creating content to diminishing financial returns until they had to lay off most, some, or all of their staffs. And the scary part is that this didn't just happen to a bunch of like silly comedy video sites. News organizations were just as affected by the plague of pivot to video. Vox, Mashable, Vice, and plenty of other companies started preemptively laying off staff who focused on print, that's code for words, so that they could pivot to video. And what happened? Same thing as the silly comedy video sites. So what did it actually cost Facebook to change the entire landscape of the media industry so it was positioned significantly in Facebook's favor? Well, Facebook is conservatively estimated to be worth $138.2 billion. And they paid out $40 million after being sued. So beep bop, boop, boop, beep bop, boop, bop. Facebook spent 0.028% of the company's worth to completely disrupt the media landscape, causing companies to either restructure, close, or lay off many, many people. That's how powerful they are. That's, that's, it's terrifying. Let me, let me put it in more simple terms. If you're a human being who's worth $100,000, let's take all your money in the bank, your house, your car, whatever, you would pay $28 to disrupt the media landscape. It's fucked up. So, uh, this was a lot. I was having a real hard time finding a concise takeaway that was a little bit more complex than don't trust Facebook. But that is the thread that runs through pretty much any point I've, I've tried to make in my head or with my mouth or with words. Like social media sites are casinos. They want you to stay there as long as possible. They're addictive and the rules are not in your favor. For you, a consumer, privacy policies, functionality, and how they make money off of you, it's always changing. 
So Facebook may have sold your personal info back in 2013 and we all got the pitchforks and we were like super mad. But now everyone's like knows about that. So they're going to find a new way to make money off of you and me in 2020. For content creators or you, social media and video sites are also casinos. The rules are stacked in favor of the house and no matter how lucky you're feeling with the sweet video or you're going to make a new channel, if you play by their rules, the house always will win. I remember the days, do you guys remember this of what does a view on YouTube mean where you would sit around, whether you're with a company or you as a content creator? I don't, I don't know. Currently some sites and they're all real sketchy. They're all well, like, executives just, just be like, we don't care as long as it's a view. It's a view, but you go, how do you get the view? And they go, that's your fucking job. Yeah. So currently there's a lot of weird sites that want to sell you eBooks and they report that it's about 30 seconds. Is that true? YouTube won't tell you. What's their algorithm actually? Actually, what are they prioritizing? You know what? This makes my brain melt and drip out of my head. So fuck all that. Can't do that game anymore. All I can really say is as a consumer, I don't trust these companies. As a content creator, also don't trust these companies, but make the content you think is best, that that's the best stuff you can make. Stick with that and stay ahead of trends and don't try to ride the wave of the algorithm because you're going to get fucked. If you do that, you'll always be catching up. Oh, wait. Whoa, hold on a second. This news story popped up on here. What's this? Facebook has since pivoted to privacy. Woo, all which, right. Which makes zero sense. I feel like I have a brain worm and I am in a simulator. Did someone put acid in my coffee? I do not. This hurts my brain. So you know what might solve this? Just delete your Facebook account. And that, motherfuckers, is fact. Well, it's good to have Phil back in the Tech News Day newsroom doing what he does best, yelling about how big tech has ruined the world. But now it's time for us to yell about this week's sponsors, starting with Skillshare. <laughs> uh, see, folks, uh, that was a proper advertising disclosure that we just did. So anyway, Skillshare, make 2020 a year where you explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity with Skillshare's online classes. What you find just might surprise and inspire you. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Skillshare offers classes designed for real life, so you can move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. You can learn and grow with short classes that fit your busy routine. Categories include animation, film and video, graphic design, photography, music, and more. And just looking at the best of 2019 list for the category of mm, graphic design, there's a bunch of classes here for logo design and typography that uh, I mean, we definitely could check out and maybe use for future merch drops. Sure. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable considering what you get access to, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. And if you use our link in the description, you'll get two free months of premium membership at Skillshare. Again, click the link in the description to get two free months of premium membership and explore your creativity. And this episode is sponsored by Capterra. It's 2020, time to hit Control-Alt-Delete and start fresh. <laughs> Simplify the way you do business this year with Captera, the website over 1 million people use monthly to find software. Captera simplifies the software search to just a few easy steps, and they don't just help with the software search, they help you make the most of your software too. Search and compare software, get free guides and tools, read tips for your industry, and much more. Get started at captera.com newsday. Captera is the free online resource millions use monthly to find the best software solution for their business. Captera helps your business thrive by making the software buying process as easy and effective as possible, and by educating you on how to get the most out of your software tools and services before and after buying. 
With over 1 million reviews from real software users, discover everything you need to make an informed decision. Search more than 700 specific categories of software, filter options by features, pricing, and more, and compare software side by side. All the info and data you need is in one place. Visit capterra.com newsday for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. capterra.com newsday. That's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com newsday. Captera. Software selection simplified. Anyways, back to the news, and I guess, uh, we'll, do we really have time for one more Facebook story? I guess so. Have you deleted it yet? Come remember, on. Remember I was talking about pivoting to privacy? Well, you'd have a lot more privacy on Facebook if you were off Facebook. Shut it down. Uh, turns out, despite everything, Mark Zuckerberg still thinks he can save the world. Every year for the last decade, he set a New Year's resolution for himself. Now, one year, he was learning Mandarin. Another year, it was only eating meat he'd personally hunted and killed. This year, his New Year's resolution post is much more grand in scale and is more of a new decade resolution. Most of it, it's extremely vague and basically amounts to make the world a better place. But on the specific end of things, Zuckerberg plans to solve the housing crisis through the power of virtual and augmented reality. Uh, here's quote Mark Zuckerberg. The technology platform of the 2010s was the mobile phone. The platform of the 2000s before that was about the web. And the 1990s was the desktop computer. Each computing platform becomes more ubiquitously accessible and natural for us to interact with. While I expect phones to still be our primary devices through most of this decade, at some point in the 2020s, we will get breakthrough augmented reality glasses that will redefine our relationship with technology. Augmented and virtual reality are about delivering a sense of presence. The feeling that you're right there with another person or in another place. Instead of having devices that take us away from the people around us, the next platform will help us be more present with each other and will help the technology get out of the way. Even though some of the early devices seem clunky, I think these will be the most human and social technology platforms anyone has built yet. The ability to be present anywhere will also help us address some of the biggest social issues of our day, like ballooning housing costs and inequality of opportunity by geography. Today, many people feel like they have to move to cities because that's where the jobs are. But there isn't enough housing in many cities, so housing... So housing costs are skyrocketing while quality of living is decreasing. Imagine if you could live anywhere you choose and access any job anywhere else. If we deliver on what we're building, this should be much closer to reality by 2030. Mark! <clears throat> okay, first of all, Facebook owns Oculus. We all, we all know that for the most part, right? Out there? Okay, what he is describing is literally Ready Player One, where everyone lives in the fucking stacks. Yeah, that's not a utopian society. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone gets a little pod that they live in, but they can visit anywhere. Yeah, everyone's dirt power. fucking poor. They're living yeah. in just, like, shit slums. Yeah. But hey, with the power of VR, you can be anywhere. It, listen, my plan for the Facebook utopia is just shipping containers stacked on top of each other. <laughs> the sky's the limit, and you can do whatever you want from the privacy of your shipping container through the power of virtual... Fuck you, Mark Zuckerberg. I love you, Palmer Lucky. Oh, oh my God. Like, God. It, 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 even reading that was like, he's, he's, you know what, Mark? Buy Zillow and put out some coupon codes on the Zillow platform. That would help. <laughs> 10% off a house on Zillow. I think that it's would not be enough. much better. Not <laughs> That's enough. still not enough. No, but. Uh, not in this town. In this market? Ooh. Yeah, I can't wait till we get a sponsorship from Zillow. Get that 20% off Internet Today code. Get yourself a house. But no, it's just going to be VR inside of a shipping container. Fuck everything. Now, obviously, this is funny on several levels. For one thing, VR hasn't still caught on in any meaningful way, despite being around for several years now. And reactions to technology like Google Glass indicates that even if AR is at one point ready for prime time, people are still going to be naturally hostile towards it. But even assuming VR and AR reach a stage of mass adoption, it wouldn't really matter all that much for telecommuting because telecommuting has already been possible for most desk jobs for a very, very long time. 
being able to log into Slack, Google Docs, and maybe Okta or Jira or some shit from home, it's already totally possible. Employers just hate it. If this was something businesses wanted, they'd have embraced it a long time ago. Yeah. We have, we have <laughs> every fucking job I've had that's a desk job. I'm like, I could do all of this from home. Exactly. Hey, I'm feeling a little bit sick. Is it okay if I work from home? You need to be in here and be a team player. Yeah. Team player. Oh, God. But that's the thing is, is video chat has been around for 15 yeah. years now. It, all this shit. You, you can 4K video chat into work and it's like you're there. And companies just don't want to yeah. embrace it and use it as a way to, I don't know, let people live 60 miles away from work. And maybe come nah. in once, once a week to check in for a face-to-face. Nah. Yeah, and as for the part about solving the housing crisis, fuck off. The affordable housing crisis, it has many clear causes which are, include uh, not enough affordable housing being built, too much luxury housing being built with not enough people actually buying it, uh, people buying property solely to use it as Airbnb rentals, uh, foreign millionaires buying up property just to sit on it for years while it gains value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Downtown LA has luxury apartments that are just empty. Yeah, New York City, Manhattan too. It's like something like 30% of the luxury housing in uh, Manhattan, empty been empty since it was built like five years ago just sitting there so yeah i don't know maybe we should work on solving those specific issues instead of embracing mark's solution which would basically amount to all the poors just living out in poorville in the stacks and only (laughs) interacting with the managerial and executive class via holograms not getting their dirty little hands on anything fuck off yeah, it sounds very like this is like step one before like Elysium. Just like Mark no, Zuckerberg is gonna go live on the moon. I love, I love that in his head this sounds like a utopia. <laughs> yeah. Like he's thinking about like floating cars and like yeah. people, like uh, you know they 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 type in what they want to eat in their computers and it's like oh here you go, and, and never going to work and working from home and everything being happy and joyful and instead it's it's literally the stacks from Ready Player One. Yeah. It's depressing. He, Mark Zuckerberg, I just picture him like going to fucking like Mumbai. Or just I thought some, dystopia just, was utopia. Mark Zuckerberg is going to some like dirt poor part of the world and seeing, seeing some starving, emaciated, crying kid on the sidewalk and just being like, hey, kid. And just putting some Google giving glasses him a, on him. Giving him like, an Oculus? Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> no Enjoy. No PC to hook it up. Just yeah. an Oculus dangling from the back of his head like the Matrix. Hey, man. Yeah. Hit that grind, you'll get that PC. It's an IV drip that keeps them alive in an Oculus. Uh, anyways, uh, enough about Facebook, or we're going to end up summoning Phil back for another rant, and uh, we'll never make it home tonight. No, get out of here. You you go. That said, We said no more Facebook. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to another company that we've never had anything nice to say about ever. Spectrum, formerly known as Time Warner Cable. And to be fair, they've surprisingly fucked up a lot less in recent years. Or at least, you know, they fucked up less or kept a lower profile about their fuck-ups. But here's some of that classic Time Warner Cable bullshit for you. Spectrum apparently sells a home security product, or at least they did. And anyone who shelled out money for it is going to be shit out of luck very soon. I love when this happens. So Spectrum is the result of a 2016 unholy merger between (laughs) Charter, Time Warner Cable, and Bright House. And the home security business came with Time Warner. After the merger, though, they quietly stopped marketing the home security product, which is usually a sign things are winding down. But they only announced last week that starting February 5th, they're officially discontinuing just the entire service, leaving customers with hundreds of dollars worth of useless security equipment. 
Are they going to charge them for not bringing it down to the one spectrum <laughs> location in their in their giant town? Thankfully not. These are yeah. all purchases. Uh, they, but hey, but you're gonna have to go to the actual landfill to dispose of like the uh, the because they all have like chemicals and stuff yeah. in there that are dangerous. Yeah, but we're, we all know we're just gonna throw it out, right? We, Waste management will figure it out for you. <laughs> they pay people. They pay people to sort it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, all the cameras, sensors, thermostats, etc. They only work with the official Spectrum Security app, which will no longer work. The customers who were foolish enough to trust their cable company with their home security might be hoping for some sort of refund or credit, but no. No, this is Spectrum. You're fucked. And as a bonus, they're probably going to raise your rates on cable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but since you since you called, no, no, we will not refund you. But, you know, now that I've got you on the just line. Just a heads up. Just a heads up. Yeah, we're we're going to have to make up for this gigantic <laughs> yeah. loss uh, by raising the cable rates. <laughs> we're going to arbitrarily raise the price. Just letting you know. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Uh, the best they can offer is some coupons for moderate discounts on buying home security equipment from other companies and just starting over completely. So that's cool. Yeah, better, was, better luck next time. I saw this one article. They interviewed this guy who had spent like $900 yeah. on his home security. He had like the whole house outfitted with the Spectrum home gear. And now it's, it's all just fucking bricked now. Right. And he's like, he's like, oh, I asked for a refund. They didn't give it to me. They gave me like a 10% off coupon for Nest. <laughs> but I got to start. I got to start from scratch. Spectrum's out here doing YouTube ad reads for, for people's home security yeah. equipment. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't know. Better this, luck next time indeed. This is a problem with any sort of connected gear. Like, I hate to say it. If you really want to avoid this, probably fucking Amazon Nest would be the one to go with. Just because, like, guess, that yeah. company's probably going to be around for a while. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, even then, they could decide At the very least, the Spectrum customer service rep wasn't like, it seems like uh, you bought a lot of security equipment. Must have a lot of expensive stuff over there. It'd be a real shame if uh, yeah. your information ended up on the dark web. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> February 5th. You better be ready. Yeah, me and the boys are going to come knocking. Yeah. <laughs> February 5th. <laughs> that's the day of the purge. <laughs> it's the first <laughs> purge for Spectrum uh, customers only. They get to watch the Dodgers, and they get their houses broken into. And, and... Mad About You is back, baby. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> a Spectrum exclusive. Paul Reiser and uh, Helen Hunt. Is that, those are the names, right? They're back. <laughs> well, and they're for, still mad about each for other. For the only remaining Spectrum cable customers, I guess that is a win. Because I, I they've all got to be people that are like, yeah, into no. their 50s. It's actually, it's oh. actually like the most like intelligent content move possible. They yeah, know yeah. their audience. Yeah. Bring back Frazier, I say. Yeah. Anyways, we covered CES news pretty in-depth last week, but there, there's a few things we missed. So, first off, while we do bring up a lot, including moments ago, how VR hasn't really caught on, we want to be clear, because a lot of you get offended when we talk about this. Yeah. This doesn't mean we don't like VR. Yeah, it, Sony has posted great numbers for their PSVR, yeah. all things considered, and I very we, much enjoy playing VR games. We VR stuff. Yeah. Uh, we like it. We just don't know if it'll ever be the game changer that it seemed like a few years back. Yeah. It would be nice if more uh, development was being done for it. It's it's a uh, fun escape, but it's not going to change the world, at least not right now, or it hasn't yeah. the way that everyone thought it would. Yeah. It's still pretty niche, and that's fine. And, th- and thankfully, a lot of companies are still working hard improving the hardware side of things. And uh, with gear cheap enough and easy enough to use, and games like Half-Life Alex getting people... Interested in throwing down? There's definitely still hope here. Why yeah. is it a girl? <laughs> I don't want to be a VR girl. I, isn't the guy, Alex character a guy? No, it's a girl. Oh, well, I'm not buying it anymore. Yeah, I only play games for boys. Yeah. Uh, while one of the biggest hurdles with VR is how bulky and lame a lot of the headsets are, the headset that Panasonic showed off at CES 
looks great. Instead of a big bulky headset covering most of your head, Panasonic's headset is basically a big pair of glasses. It's got no straps and can slide on and off your face easily. And instead of uh, one big block covering your eyes, it's two round screens, one for each eye. It's also the first VR headset to feature HDR. Still, it, it is just a prototype with no announced plans for release, but it's nice to see innovation still happening with VR hardware. They're going to have to do something after Half-Life Half -Life Alex comes out because you're going to have a bunch of people who beat the game and are like, well, I have this headset. Yeah. I guess it's back to Beat Saber. Hope yeah. they release more packs. I've lost 40 pounds on the Beat Saber diet. we got to get someone to code one of our entire 40-minute videos in Beat Saber. <laughs> Each word. Talk, 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 talk. Uh, that would drive... Anyone insane. <laughs> yeah, but, do you want to uh, go insane? Hey, yeah, please. This, yeah. This, is this is open source. Take it. <laughs> Something it to do while you're in the stacks. Anyway, here's another CES product that's very CES. Go Doggo, a home entertainment and training system for dogs. Okay. Uh, training dogs, I've done it before. It's a giant pain in the ass. It takes a long time. It's very frustrating. So Go Doggo solves this, or claims to, by just having a machine do all of it. Great. Go Doggo consists of a, a trainer on your TV who talks to your dog and tells it to do things, along with a sensor that sees what your dog is doing, and a treat dispenser that shoots out a dog treat when your dog accomplishes its task. Um, sounds great if it works, but it seems way <laughs> too uh, a little too good to be true. I uh, yeah. I mean I'm I've, sure I've seen I the, the treat shooters before. Yeah, like all of these are things. That makes Separately sense. Separately work. But right? yeah. together as one complete product. Look, I'd love to be proven wrong here. It'd be great. Yeah. Give my dog something to do all day. But, the problem uh, with your dogs, they got the tiny dogs. They got the small little string brains. Yeah. Little walnut knocking around in there. It's, it's harder for them to learn everything. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. You get a big not like, smart. Labrador or something like that. Smart as hell. Yeah. They pick up real quick. But those are also the dogs that need, uh, they need the least amount of like stimulation throughout the day. Big old Labrador is just going to sit there, just chill. <laughs> fucking little chihuahuas is going to be fucking running around the house. They need yeah, the, someone, the they need a robot to be like, hey, hey, come over here. Yeah. Golden Retriever is going to teach the system how to put football on and just sit yeah. and watch it all day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also forgot to mention the uh, Segway S-Pod, which so Mark Zuckerberg, fucking funny. Mark Zuckerberg is going to love this yeah. because it goes perfectly with his other plan of just strapping a VR headset to everyone and just sending them off. <laughs> Uh, it's basically a segue for people that find uh, the need to stand while using a normal segue just too demanding. It's the Wally people in real life. Yeah. It's a chair segue, aka a powered wheelchair. Yeah. But this one can go up to 24 <laughs> miles per hour. <laughs> Whoa! That's very fast. It's quite fast. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it has a seatbelt. Uh, the model that they showed off did not. But after. After, after careful after, consideration. After some incidents, they, yeah. uh, they're they thinking about it now. Yeah, it seems like it might be great for people who are disabled and already use a wheelchair to get around, but that doesn't seem to be who Segway's marketing this to. No, it's very weird. I didn't see any actual mention of that. Very important to keep in mind. The the what Was the creator, the president of Segway, <laughs> fucking Segwayed right off a cliff? Yeah, he, uh, he did go down with the ship, yes. as they say. So yeah, it, see, it seems like they're marketing this as just like another form of light vehicle transportation to go alongside like scooters and electric skateboards, uh, which has of course led to you know comparisons with those pod chairs from the movie Wall-E, which the people in the movie used to get around because humanity in that dark future had become absurdly lazy. No, no, no. you see the, the ones in, in Wall-E, they didn't have wheels, so it's different. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, during a demo for the Segway S-Pod, a journalist lost control and crashed <laughs> into a wall. Good. Uh, and, like, wall me. And got launched out of it. Like it's, It sounds like they were fine, but 
Segway with me, like, oh yeah, we should we should put seatbelts on this thing. Yeah, give uh, it to journalists to beta test. Perfect, yeah, perfect. It's good. It's kind of like that uh, the the Samsung Fold, how they didn't give it to journalists and it broke. Yeah. At least now, like they, there's some safety issues that they have to let the journalists test the products. Yes. So yeah, uh, this uh, may not be ready for prime time. I think it's a weird idea, but um, you know what? I can definitely see like at least in like maybe in the malls of like uh, the Middle East. Abu Dhabi malls, just a bunch of rich fucking Saudi oil men just riding around in their chairs. What it really needs is a toilet. <laughs> if I could, if I could, like, just, just sit. a streak on the ground behind yeah, it. The old sitting <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. No, you pull up to, like, a sewer and you just dump the hose out the side. And See, I don't like the design of this. If I think, I think Segway needs to team up with Lazy Boy and make just, like, an actual Lazy Boy. <laughs> Didn't did, but... Tim the Toolman Taylor make <laughs> I think he's yeah. had a toilet, too. Yeah. I, <laughs> they perfected this in the 90s. <laughs> what are we doing, Segway? The tech world, they're all out of ideas. They're watching, they're watching <laughs> Home Improvement. <laughs> yeah, and, and fucking Married with Children. I feel like this was a yeah. Married with Children <laughs> gag, too. Oh, anyways, that's enough CES bullshit for 2020. Uh, we have to wait till next year for all the great innovations. Gah. Here's some fun Musk news for you. And no, we're not talking about Elon Musk. And no, this isn't actually fun news because it involves Jeffrey Epstein. Oh. Put your serious face on. No, first of all, he didn't kill himself. Second of all, ever since Jeffrey Epstein's arrest and suicide this past summer, lots of big names in tech have been linked to him in various ways. And it's impossible to know the degree of involvement in most cases, but Elon Musk was one of them. His version of events has always been that he'd only ever briefly interacted with Epstein and that he always thought he was a creep. But that may be downplaying things. Who knows? But according to Business Insider this week, Elon Musk's brother, Kimball Musk, was more closely involved with Epstein. Here's the headline. Jeffrey Epstein set Elon Musk's brother up with a girlfriend in effort to get close to the Tesla founder, sources say. So, yeah. uh, First off, in case you weren't aware, Elon Musk has a younger brother named Kimball. And he looks like this. Some might call a South African venture capitalist dressing like that stolen cowboy valor. Yes. But that's not important here. No. It's not for us to decide. Mm -mm. Anyways, in addition to successfully investing in a lot of tech companies, including his brothers, Kimball Musk is mostly in the restaurant and agriculture business. But he's still close with his brother and sits on the boards of Tesla and SpaceX. According to Business Insider, Kimball Musk and Jeffrey Epstein hung out on occasion and were in regular contact with each other. Mainly thanks to the fact that Kimball was dating a woman in Epstein's entourage who Epstein had himself previously dated. He's Eskimo Brothers... With yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. Yep. Yeah, so here's, here's a quote from the article. The couple who dated from 2011 to 2012 were set up by Epstein, the sources said. The relationship brought Epstein into contact with the Musk family and its businesses, and it highlights how the convicted sex offender may have used the women in his inner circle to develop strategic relationships with prominent people in the world of tech and business. Quote, it almost seemed a little more transactional. The rumor has always been that Epstein facilitated introductions to beautiful women looking for deal flow or access to capital. One source familiar with the couple said, quote, and the providence of it was right down the path of that, the source added, referring to Kimmel Musk's relationship to the woman. This is all, by the way, after he'd already been convicted of uh, sex trafficking, like, the first oh, the, time the in, Florida in time? 2008. Yeah. yeah. It's the, hard to plead, plead ignorance. So, yeah, we're not of... sure what to take from that. It sounds like it is uh, well within his wheelhouse to... Uh, Based on a lot of the information that's out there is uh, getting close to powerful people through the use of women Mm -hmm. or uh, in more nefarious cases, potentially uh, 
you know, leading them down a path to commit several crimes yeah. and having that uh, to hold over their heads. Sounds like this woman was uh, of age. Yeah. And apparently <laughs> but, enjoyed uh, the relationship. So no harm, no foul, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but it was Thanks, a strategic Jeff. plan to probably get close to Elon Musk or closer yeah. at least. Uh, anyways, uh, very weird. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cool. Anyways, one last thing before we go. Uh, Windows 7 is officially discontinued. Bam! Canceled. That means Microsoft won't be sending any more security updates for the OS. It all makes sense given that it's a 10-year-old operating system. But we can probably look forward to lots of companies who keep running Windows 7 being hacked and held for ransom. Just like all the companies who held on to Windows XP have been for the last few years. So that's exciting. Yeah. Update your OS, companies. Can't wait for the next just massive data breach where they're like, well, I don't know, man. There's it would like, cost us thousands of dollars. There's like the 2,000 fucking computers here at the like Bank of America headquarters. So, you know, we just said fuck it and like keep it at Windows 7. What could go wrong? I mean, our IT guy kept saying all the things that could go wrong, but he's an idiot. We don't pay him enough he money. He kept asking us for money. <laughs> he said we need this much money to bring them up to speed. And we said, no, sir. No. No. No funding for you. No. Get it? Soup Nazi. It's, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a joke. You kids like Seinfeld, right? Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's it for this week's Tech News Day. Thank you again to Phil Arrigo. Come uh, on in here, Phil. Hey. Go follow him on, on Twitter.com. Good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. You sure? I'm really bummed that you guys didn't hit that uh, uh, it, Windows 7 is 10 years old. So Jeffrey Epstein, got to go. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Windows 7 is dating Kimball Musk now. Anyways, that's it for the show. Uh, be sure to watch our other episodes over here. We also have a brand new podcast. We talked for a very long time about a plethora of things. Uh, lots of topics. Fun conversation. If you're a member of the Patreon, uh, you can check it out there on the post. Or if you're a YouTube member, go to the community tab to check that out. Uh, otherwise, watch our episodes over here, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>